the best. Hey, let me pray for us and then we'll get started in this final voice series. Got to ask this morning as we've kind of gathered and we're going to uh, open up your, your, your word to learn a little bit more about how do we hear your voice when you speak to us. Got to pray for us, but I also want to pray for our teenagers that are down the hallway talking about obedience and talking about your word with their uh, small group ministers. I pray, Lord, for insight this morning. I pray that you'd use those adults to add on to the conversation that's been had in our homes with our parents, that's been had on a Wednesday night in here, and that you would use all of those things to develop some young disciples and us as parents and adults as disciples to follow you better every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Brian Brown is an author. He tells a story that if you're a mom, you, w- you will connect with this because this is probably your story as well. But he talks about taking his family out to the community pool. And it was one of those large pools, summer day, all kinds of kids in it all over the place. And they're screaming and they're splashing and there's playing and there's music going. And there are, you know, lifeguard whistles being blown. There's cars driving by. It's just one of those typical summer days where there's so much noise that it's just a loud hum. And in the midst of having a few minutes of talking to his wife while they're sitting there and the kids are in the, play, in the pool playing. He's talking to her and she, she immediately interrupts him and goes, shh. And he stops his conversation thinking like, what's going on? She's, shh. It's, it's, a, it's a happy scream. And he goes, what? And she said, uh, our, our kid, our child, amongst all of his child was, was just screaming and I heard her scream, and I needed to see if it was a terrified scream or a happy scream. It's a happy scream. Everything's okay. Moms, right? You've had that experience. Dads are like, huh? Like, what? We've been talking about hearing God's voice, and what a great illustration for where we want to be and what we want to become. Living in a world that has the hum of media and music and politics and social media politics and family life and work life and all of those different noises that are going in our life, we've got to get to the point as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, that, that when we hear the voice of God, when God speaks in the midst of the noise, that our ears so tuned to him that we can go, shh, hold on, God's saying something. That's what we want, right? I mean, that, if we are children of God, that's what scripture calls us, that we're children of God, we need to be able to hear the voice of the Father. Or if we are, as Scripture tells us, that we are ambassadors of Christ, we're his representatives here, we, we, we are in our community, at your place of work, even in your family as a parent, for the sole purpose of representing Jesus to all of those people, we, we want to be able to, if we're ambassadors, hear the voice of the person we represent. For the body of Christ, another analogy the Scripture calls of us, we're all parts of a body, and Jesus is the head, then, then we want to be able to hear what the head says so we can fall in line. Isn't that, doesn't that make sense? That's, that's where we want to be. Because you've been in a place before where there hasn't been consistency in followers hearing the voice and leading. If you have a junior hire that did orchestra at school, and you went to one of those concerts, you've, you've heard what that's like a little bit. Where, where, where people are kind of doing their own thing, and, 
and you've got a person that's giving instruction, and, and here's how we play, and here's how we go. That, that's a good picture. So you might have seen this video. This is good, good for a laugh, but it illustrates, too, if you think about band, <coughs> excuse me, you think about music, where, whatever type bands you have, there is a leader. Sometimes it's, it's the guitarist. Sometimes it's the lead vocalist. Sometimes it might be a drummer, but there's somebody that's in the band that says, hey, here's how we do it, and this is what it looks like. So this is a video that has circulated on YouTube. You might have seen it before. Do you know the song Oceans, the Hill song? So here is a real, this is not pretend, a real church video of a band that didn't have, I think, everybody on the same page with the leader. And I will call upon your name Keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise My soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours And you This is not a joke. This is for real. That would be one of the greatest moments of a Sunday worship service you ever had, wouldn't it? Somebody didn't get the memo, though. No, there's nobody, no leader going, hey, here's how we're going to do it. Somebody missed the voice, and now they're famous on YouTube. <laughs> so the last several weeks, we've been talking about how do I hear the voice of God so that our life isn't chaos, so that in the midst of the crazy, we can hear what the leader says. And we've laid down some really large building blocks. In week one, we talked about Samuel and uh, Eli. And remember, we talked about uh, our posture matters. And the whole point of week one was helping us understand that we want to hear God's voice and we want to know what he says for our future. The most important thing we can do is, is assume the correct posture as servant to the master. And instead of saying, God, I need to know this, and God, I want to know that, and God, here's this question, and God, what do I do here? That we approach God from the posture of, you're God, what do you want to say to me? I'll take my list of things and I'll set them aside because you are the leader. And God, what do you want to say to me as follower? The posture for us as servant is extremely important to us to hear the voice of God. Then in week two, we talked about the hearing the voice of God starts with Jesus. That's, again, a foundational building block. Jesus is God. He is the, uh, what we saw in Hebrews, the exact imprint of his nature. And so if we want to hear the voice of God, we can go to those red letters in, that, in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we can read what God said. We can see what God did. And if we hear something or see something or think that God is saying something that contradicts what Jesus said, it's not God that you're hearing from. That was another building. Our posture, that Jesus is the beginning of hearing God's voice. And then last Sunday, Nate walked us through the idea of obedience. When we do hear God's voice, if we want to continue to hear God's voice, it's important that we do what we heard. Because if, if God is speaking to us and we continue just to ignore what God says every time he speaks, sooner or later, we'll stop hearing his voice. So we laid those three building blocks to help us move. And then today, 
we're going to go a little bit further and try to give you some more tools to put inside that, that tool belt to help you hear God's voice. So here's what I want you to understand, and this is, this, this is true. Hearing God's voice is not, it's not difficult. It's not hard, but it does take some work. It's not hard, but it takes some work. And once we have some of these building blocks and some tools that we're talking about this morning, and we start using those on a regular basis, the voice of God will become clearer to us, like the scream of that child at the swimming pool. And in the midst of the noise, we'll go, okay, I, I sense and I hear what God's saying. So this morning, because I want to give you several different tools, we are going to flip around to a bunch of different passages of Scripture. So get ready to, to move from here to there. And the first passage I want you to go to is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Famous verse, preached on it not too long ago. 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, Paul, the apostle, is writing to a young leader named Timothy. And in, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says this. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul says to Timothy, hey, all Scripture, it's God-breathed. When you are reading the Bible, you are reading the, the words of God. His breath is all over. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so as we are praying through things, and we're going, hey, God, what, what are you saying to me? And, and God, I, I'm... Do I go this way or do I go that way? I've got some major decisions and I don't know what to do. One of our tools that we put in our toolbox, and probably one of the two most important that we'll talk about today, not, not probably, one of the two most important today is this book because it's the inspired word of God. And so as you're, as you're seeking the Lord out and you're praying, going, God, what do I do? Or, God, I want to hear your voice. If you hear something that's different than this, just like we talked about with Jesus, then that's not the voice of God because God's voice does not contradict himself. And this that we're holding is God breathed. It came from his mouth to us. And so as we're seeking God's voice, this is important to us. So sometimes we use it as, as a tool to hear God's voice. Let me give you an example of what that might look like. You come to church and, and you hear messages about stewardship or money. And you know, I, I, I say this a lot. People give especially Baptist churches, a bad name. I hear these stories all the time. Well, I don't go to the Baptist churches. All they do is talk about money. And, and every Baptist church I've ever been in, they rarely talk about money because pastors are afraid to talk about it because everybody says all they do is talk about money. Yet scripture talks a lot about money. And if we're going to preach the scripture, then we got to talk about it. And so you maybe hear somebody talk about it and you're wrestling with, man, I know, I know there's this concept of the tithe and I want to be able to give. <coughs> And there's missions that I want to give to. And, and I got to figure out how to, how to use my money for the kingdom. But right now, I'm really using my money for Visa and the electric bill. And I'm trying to figure out how to move money from Visa and electric bill to the kingdom of God type things. And you start praying, God, how, what do I do? And you're seeking the voice of God to speak into your life about finances. And you start looking up texts in the scripture. You start looking at what the Bible says about money. You start looking up what the Bible says about finances. And what happens is as you're praying, going, God, give me a word, he uses his word to answer your question. That's a very practical example for teenagers that might be trying to have some relationship issues, trying to figure out how to deal with friends or a boyfriend or girlfriend. They start looking at what does the scripture say about 
the opposite sex. What does the scripture say about uh, love and relationships? And they go and God's voice speaks to them through his word. Sometimes God's word will speak to you. You'll hear the voice of God through his word when you aren't looking for it though. Both those things are important. Sometimes it's not like I'm looking at finances. What does it say? Sometimes you're just reading and God speaks. I think it was this week. It was fairly recently. Uh, my wife, Amanda, was out in the community. I probably should have asked her for more details for the story so that it made more sense. Um, she was out somewhere in the community and ran across a lady that she had met at the elementary school our kids go to. And they have a connection because the lady from our community is deaf. And my wife is a deaf interpreter. That's what she does for a job. So you can imagine if you're deaf living in Georgetown and you see one of the few people that can communicate with you regularly and easily, like you're kind of drawn to them. And so I think they were sitting at Chick-fil-A. In fact, they were. And so Amanda saw her and so went over and they started having a conversation, talking back and forth. And the lady started sharing with Amanda some of the difficult times she was in. She uh, was living in a hotel because she had been evicted from her apartment, just struggling financially and, and listing out all of these different things. And Amanda heard it and was praying for her. Amanda goes home that day or the next, and she's doing her daily time in the Word, devotional quiet time, whatever you call it. She opens up the Scripture, and she starts reading. And what she's reading for that day is all about helping those in need. And, and immediately, God started using His Word to speak to her heart. And she did what most of us would do. Well, that's kind of a coincidence, you know? Gets in the car to head someplace, turns on a podcast of a pastor who's preaching, and he's preaching about helping people who are in need and pass, preaching through some passage scriptures about using your finances to bless other people. So she gets to where she's going, and she texts me and says, hey, this is what happened. God's been saying this in my quiet time. God said this through the word that was preached when I got in my car. What can we do? That, that's God's voice coming through his word. And so we've got to be people of the word. We've got to know it. We've got to be in it, looking for things when we hear a voice from, uh, wanting to hear a voice or a word from God, and then also being sensitive when we are reading God says something to do it. So one of those tools in our toolbox is the word, important tool. Here's the second thing. Sometimes God uses other people to speak to you. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about David and Bathsheba and their sexual sin and David had uh, Bathsheba's husband murdered and all that. And, and so David is living in the sexual sin as king. Everything's going fine for him from a, a king's perspective. God doesn't, in this instance, use the word scroll, preaching at synagogue. God sends a man, a prophet named Nathan, and Nathan approaches David and tells David this, this story about a rich guy who, who stole from a poor guy, and David gets incensed, and, and he wants the, the, the rich guy to be punished for what he did to the poor guy. And all along, he has no clue that Nathan is setting David up for the big reveal that you're that guy. You're the one who has everything, and you took from this guy his wife and his life. And it was God speaking through Nathan, another person, that all of a sudden conviction fell on David and he repents and, and begins to get his life right. If you go to Galatians, we, we find two of the iconic New Testament guys, Paul and Peter. You know these guys? Paul's the one that wrote about half the New Testament. He's the missionary that took the gospel all across Europe. And he's, a, he's a heavyweight. And then we've got Peter, who's equally a heavyweight. Peter's one of, not just one of the disciples of Jesus. 
He's one of like the inner three of the 12. There's three that were Peter, James, and John kind of went a little bit further the distance with Jesus. And even if you look at those three, Peter, James, and John, when you read the, the New Testament, you read the Gospels, you find out Peter seems to be like the point guy. He's the one that speaks for everybody. He ends up being kind of the, the leader. He's also the leader of the church in Israel, <coughs> in Jerusalem. Paul is the heavyweight that's taking it to the Gentiles. And what we find out in Galatians is that Peter, as the leader of the church in Israel, Peter has started to show favoritism, maybe you might even call it some racism, between Jews and Gentiles. And God uses Paul to approach Peter and set Peter straight. To say, hey, here's what God is saying to you. You are wrong, and you're not leading like God would have you lead. So we see passages in Scripture, several, where God uses other people. Now, here's what I want us to understand. If, if, you, if you're not tuned in, you've got to listen to this, because otherwise we, we might be in trouble. These different tools, the Scripture and people, and some other ones we're going to talk about in a second, they work together, okay? Just because someone comes to you and says, hey, the Lord has a word for you. God has wanted me to say this, which if somebody says that to me, I immediately have red flags. When they go, God has a message for you. I'm like, okay, let's hear this one. But if maybe you're even sensing something that God is saying to you from somebody else, it may be the Spirit of God talking to that person, but it needs to be held in tension or conjunction with the Word. Because this is the God-breathed, inspired Word of God. And so when someone comes to you and they say, man, I need to say this to you, or maybe they don't even know they're confronting you. They just say something and you sense, man, I think God is speaking to me. It doesn't stand alone, okay? It, it works with the Scripture. If they are in contradiction, that is not the voice of God. But sometimes God uses people to come in and speak to us. 16 years ago, sitting in a, my house, downtown Austin, and I had interviewed at First Baptist Georgetown. And when I went to the interview originally, we only went, came up to interview up here because uh, a, a guy had put in our name that I, I did not want to say no to. So it was like a courtesy, yes. Came and interviewed a man. I said, there's no way we're moving to Georgetown. It's too close to Austin. And God just started moving and we ended up here. But here, here's part of that story. Like every other day, I was in this battle with God. God, what, where are we going? Are you leading our family to Georgetown to do ministry there? Or are you leaving us here at this church in Austin? And, and praying about it and trying to get a sense. Of, and like on, on Monday, I'd be like, I think, I think I'm hearing the voice of God and I think we're going to stay here in, in Austin. But I'm like 51%, 49%. That's, that's how confident I am. And then on Tuesday, as I was praying and looking at the scripture, talking to people, I'd be like, okay, I think it's going to be Georgetown. But it's 51 to 49%. And then on Wednesday, I was like right in the middle. And Thursday over here, Friday, just going back and forth, praying about it, going, God, I want to hear your voice because I want to go where you would call us to go. Talking to wise and godly people, praying, looking at the scripture. And obviously I'm not looking at the scripture like, is the word Austin or Georgetown in here? I knew it wasn't. But just trying to get a sense that God might say something through his word that would, that would give me a sense of clarity. And we're getting close to the day where I, it was an arbitrary day where I said, hey, I'm going to make a decision. Told Georgetown, I'll tell you kind of yes or no. And it's talking with Amanda about it. 
And I said, man, I don't know. And I said, sometimes I feel like the Lord's doing this, and sometimes I feel like he's doing that. And then she says this, we've been talking about this for a month. She goes, oh, and I said, what do you think? And she goes, oh, I know. I'm like, what? Like, where, where has this been? Like, I've been in weeks of like, you know, struggling with God. What do you mean you know? And she goes, oh, I know what God's, where God's calling us. I said, well, do tell. <laughs> and she said, well, I haven't said anything because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to work at a church every day. Like, my life, I still have my job in Austin. I mean, it's, it really changes more for you than me. I'm, I'm, I'm going wherever you go, and I'm good with it. I said, well, what do you sense God saying? And she looked at me without blinking her eyes, and she goes, oh, it's Georgetown. Now, here's what happened. As soon as she spoke those words, the Holy Spirit answered every question in my heart. I can't explain that to you, what it was like, other than all of the tension, all of the, Lord, are you doing this, or Lord, are you doing that? It was like God spoke through her and went, that's your answer. And God used her, another person, to speak God's will into my life. I heard his voice through her. Then several other things happened that confirmed that as well. So God uses his word. God uses other people. Those two things are not equal. God's word is more important than people, but sometimes God uses people to say what he wants to say. Here's the third thing that God does. Sometimes God uses circumstances. Sometimes as we're praying, we start looking around at what God is doing, and we start looking at, at how he's engineering things as we're praying, and, and all of a sudden we start seeing all these things that we're praying for, praying about, start to, to line up for us. <coughs> here's, here's an instance of how God uses circumstances in Scripture. Remember Moses, you know his story? Moses, called by God to go to Pharaoh and say, walks up to the king of Egypt, most powerful man in the world, and says, hey, you've got this you know, multi-million plus slave group called the Israelites. Well, hey, Pharaoh, they, those people belong to God, not to you. And God says to let his people go. And Pharaoh goes, yeah, ain't happening. Now, he heard the voice of God through a person, Moses. But then he also heard the voice of God through some circumstances. You remember what happened when Pharaoh said no? Plague after plague after plague, darkness, gnats, frogs, water to blood, all of these different things. Now, for me, if I'm seeking the voice of God and someone comes to me and says, hey, God said to do this, and if you don't, all the water in your house is going to turn to blood. And I go, yeah, sure, I'm praying about it, we'll see. And I go home and turn on my faucet and it's all blood, God's spoken clearly to me, right? He goes, hey, if you don't do this, your house is going to be infested with frogs. <coughs> and I go home and I've got frogs in my refrigerator, in my pantry, and in my bed. Lord, you've spoken clearly through circumstances. I've heard your voice from somebody and I've, heard, and I've seen it in circumstances. I've seen you do that. So sometimes God speaks through circumstances. Again, let me say it again, not alone. We're looking at circumstances of what God is doing to, to hear his voice. We're looking at what wise people are saying to us. We're going to his scripture. We're, we're holding all of these different tools together as we're seeking out, hey, God, what are you saying to me? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Because most of the time, God uses circumstances that are, that are not as dramatic as plagues. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'll give you a second to get there. Verse 5 says this, Paul says to the Corinthians, I'll visit you after passing through Macedonia, 
for I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now look in verse 8. But I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Verse 9, for a wide door for effective work is open to me and there are many adversaries. So sometimes that's what the circumstances that God uses in our life to speak. As we're praying, all of a sudden, you know, Paul's going, hey, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to Macedonia. I want to go to uh, Corinth, and I want to stay there with them. And he's seeking out God's will. God, where do I go next? But as he's praying, he looks, and he, and he goes, man, this is, this is a pretty opportune time. There's a lot of opportunities right now for the gospel, and it seems like God has placed me here, and he's opened all these different doors, and he doesn't give us any more detail about scripture, people, or things like that, but he's looking at these circumstances. I've got all these opportunities, and there's all these adversaries around that want to close those doors, and I'm strategically placed for this moment as a person who knows the Old Testament better than anybody else, as a person who God has called to this to stay right here and help battle these adversaries for the gospel here. This is like, it's like God's timing has put something perfectly together. And sometimes God uses circumstances. We hold that in the same hand that we do wise counsel from people, and most importantly, the scripture. But sometimes we have to, as we're praying, we start looking at God, what are you doing? And we start seeing, God starts opening our eyes to see these things that he's been doing to help us understand what he's doing next and, and what part we play in that. Tony Campolo is a Christian sociologist, has written several books, and, and he tells this story about uh, speaking at a Pentecostal college chapel one day. Uh, it was an evening, like revival service, and he didn't have to, he didn't have to drive. He, I mean, he didn't have to fly. He could drive to where it was. So he drives over to this chapel and gets there early, and he meets several of the uh, leaders, and they said, hey, we want to we want to pray over you before you speak tonight. And he said, sure. So they go and lay hands on him. And he tells the story about, he says, there's eight guys and they prayed forever. He said, I, I didn't think I was ever going to get off my knees. He said, they were laying their hands on my head. And the longer they prayed, the, the harder they pushed down on my head. And, and he said, I was just thinking, going like, how much longer is this going to take? And he said, then one of the guys started praying about things that had nothing to do with the chapel had nothing to do with my speaking. He started praying and, and, and he said, God, I want to I pray for Charlie Stolfus. And, and Tony Campbell's going, who is Charlie Stolfus? Like, what does this have to do? Like, I want to get him. He says, God, I want you to pray for, I want to pray for Charlie Stolfus. God, uh, you know Charlie. He just, he lives a mile from here down Fitzhugh's Road. He's the one God in the silver trailer on the right. And Campbell says, thinking God doesn't need directions to the guy's house. <laughs> he says, God, I know that uh, Charlie told me today that, that he was going to walk out on his wife and leave his wife and his three kids. And Lord, we just pray that you would do something and, and, and that you would, you would change his mind and God, that you would move in that situation. And, and Campolo's going, man, was the prayer ever going to end? And they finally finished praying the aid of him. He gets up and preaches at the campus, has the message, leaves, gets in his car. He's driving home. He sees this hitchhiker on the side of the road. This is a true story. Pulls over says, hey, I'll give you a ride. The guy jumps in. He says, I'm Tony Campolo. What's your name? And the guy goes, my name's Charlie Stolfus. <laughs> and Campolo says, oh, and, and drives down and takes an exit and starts to turn around to go back the direction he came. And Charlie Stolfus, this guy looks at him and goes, and he's, they just agreed to you know, take him down the road. And he goes, he goes well, where, where, are you, where are you taking me? What are you doing? And Campolo looks at him and goes, hey, Charlie, did you just leave your wife and three kids? <laughs> and Charlie goes, yeah. 
and he pulls down Fitzhugh's Road, turns into the trailer park home, pulls into the silver trailer that's the first one on the right. Wife and kids open the door and come out. This is a true story. And Charlie Stolfos goes, how did you know where I lived? And Tony Campolo said, God told me. <laughs> now here's the crazy thing that's cool. Campolo gets out, goes in, leads both the husband and wife to Christ. Right? Sometimes God uses circumstances in crazy ways. If somebody's praying and you're praying, you might not even be looking for a situation. And somebody starts praying for Charlie Stolfus and you meet Charlie, Charlie Stolfus, that might be God engineering circumstances to speak to you. Right? If you're praying, God, I want to walk closer with you. God, I, I, I want to tell people that, God, I want to get better at sharing my faith. And God, I, you've put me in a place where I work, where there's so many people that don't know the Lord. God, help me share my faith. And you go to work the next day, and somebody walks up and goes, hey, where do you go to church? If you go First Baptist and you turn and walk away, <laughs> you miss the circumstances that God was engineering to speak something into your life. What God was saying is, share I've been laying it on your heart to do it. You've been talking to me about it. I engineered the circumstances for it. Now listen and go. Sometimes God uses his word directly. Sometimes he uses other people. Sometimes he uses circumstances. Here's what he always uses. I said the Bible was a foundational tool, more important than this tool, but more important than people and circumstances. Because people and circumstances can sometimes be confusing. Here's the other one that's just as equally important as the Bible and it's the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is who takes the words off the Scripture, the people that you're talking to, the circumstances you see, and, and weaves them into His voice so that you can hear it. It's the Spirit of God inside you. Go over to um, Isaiah chapter 30. It's the last thing we'll flip to. It's the verse that we've been trying to get our students <coughs> to memorize this series. Isaiah chapter 30, we see prophecy of the future of Jesus coming in this passage. And in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, says this, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Isaiah said, Hey, there's coming a time when a teacher, talking about Isaiah 30, capital T, teacher comes. Jesus. And there's going to be a time when you hear a voice behind you, it's the Holy Spirit, going, hey, this is the way. Walk in it. I can't really explain. God, God speaks in, in, in different ways to different people. I, not to weird you out. And I don't really like suggest, like, I think you ought to do a lot of work in this area. I've actually had God on a mission trip one time speak to me in a dream. And I can tell you the whole story some other time. Um, for me, it was a little bit odd. Because I usually don't like wake up every night going, what did the Lord said to me in my dreams? But God does through Scripture use dreams. I mean, God uses other ways to speak. But he always uses his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's always the Spirit of God using these different things, circumstances, people, opening up the Word, causing you to go there to hear his voice. But sometimes, like for Elijah, we're not going to go through that whole passage, but Elijah, when he's trying to hear the voice of God, Elijah tells that God came and in a, the King James Version, if you grew up with that, it says a still small voice or a low whisper. Hearing the voice of God isn't hard, but it takes work. It takes getting into the Word. It takes surrounding yourself with people who are godly and wise. 
takes the, takes the ability to start looking at the circumstances and seeing what God is doing and having a spiritual view on things rather than a, a worldly view and being in touch with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside you, if you're a believer, if you've come to a point in your life where you gave Jesus Christ the sole authority of your life and, and you trusted his death and resurrection for your salvation, Scripture says the Holy Spirit came as a down payment on heaven for you. The, the Spirit of God's inside you. And he's working and he's speaking. And he's right behind you going, hey, when you look to your left and look to your right, I'm leading you in those ways. And I'm using some of these other things for you to help here. So we take all of these things, our posture towards God, the life and teaching of Jesus, our ability to be obedient when we hear, the Scripture, circumstances, other people that God might use. And once we have all of those tools and those foundational elements that we're, we're walking in on a regular basis, the voice of God becomes a little bit clearer to hear. And we need that. You know what happens when a church, the body of Christ, when everybody hears the voice of Christ? Simultaneously, great things. Close with this story. I'm going to let you talk for a few minutes. Several years ago, <coughs> we had been doing mission trips down in Atlanta, and the mission site that we were working at closed out. I mean, it literally disappeared. and We lost our, our place we were doing missions. So, so we started going, okay, God, what, where do you want us to go? What next? Where are we going to take students, and where are we taking adults, and what are we going to do? San Diego was named by the North American Mission Board at the time as a, as, as a strategic city. So me and my wife and Charlotte Watson, who was our minister of missions at the time, and, and, and about three or four other people got on a plane. We flew to San Diego. We connected with the North, Ameri North American Mission Board at a hotel where they told us and a bunch of other pastors and churches all about San Diego and what God was doing there. And then for the next two days, we got on a bus and we went from San Diego up to an hour or so north, hour and a half, two hours north. And we would sit down, bus would stop, everybody would get off, and we would hear a presentation from a local pastor or <coughs> a mission organization talking about what God was doing in their community and, and how we could come get involved. We did that for two days. Heard from maybe 10 different churches, missionaries. We came back, and we headed to the hotel that last day before we were coming back. And, and Charlotte said this. She said, hey, tonight let's just, on our own, let's just pray about, ask God to, to speak clearly of where we would connect where we would partner. And man and I went upstairs and I told her, I said, man, I don't like any of those places but one. Like, I don't even know, like, I'm going to pray about it. But that's like, it's like, I feel like it's like praying about, Lord, should I eat asparagus or cotton candy? Like, that's probably not a good example because God would probably say asparagus is better for you. But that's what I mean. I was like, no, 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 no. And yeah, I like this, but and, and so I'm sitting there, and, and Amanda, as we pray about it, we, we both came back, and she, she was agreed with me. But I'm like, we're, I'm, I feel so, like, bad. Like, I'm going to walk down after all of this expense in these two days. I'm going to walk down, and I'm going to go, I only like one. I don't like any of them. Like, like, not like I like this one and some, and if everyone else likes option B, okay, I'm on board with option B. It's like, there's no option B. They're terrible. I can tell you some stories. They're crazy. Go downstairs, we're getting ready to go back, and Charlotte says, hey, what are y'all thinking? And so I, I wanted to jump first, right? You know, I didn't want to, everybody like, well, I love this one and this one and this one. So I just wanted to get out there. Negative Nancy was going to like, you know, lay the blanket in negativity. I don't like any of them. All I like 
is Generations Church. That's the only one that I feel like the Lord has made a connection with. And all five people went, that's exactly what we felt like. I mean, like any of them, we sense God was calling us to generations. Yeah, easy it is to get excited and get on board with partnering with Generations Church at that time. Real easy. Because everyone heard the voice of God clearly. And God used circumstances. He used his word. He used people. He used the Holy Spirit. And then we went and were obedient. That big block. We went and did it for several years. Fantastic mission trip experience. 